You're torn with Dane Cook a little bit. Yeah, I have been, man. It's been pretty wild. What's up, man? Good to see you, bro. It's been a moment. Yeah. Uh, my name's Drew Don. I'm a comedian. Uh, I'm already destroying Ted Jones's world. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad to be invited in. Well, ultimately, you're a peacemaker, though. So we appreciate uh, you coming in, dude. I try to be. Drew Dunn, uh, former catcher yep. for the Blue Jays, AA organization. <laughs> yeah, and, loosely. And current comedian. Yes, that's me. What's up, dude? How What's are you? What's going on? You can put um, those I'm doing there. pretty good, man. Yeah? Just been busy running around, doing the road, doing spots. Uh, where have you been, where have you been going? You've been on the road. I mean, you've been on the road since the last time you were here, like a year ago. So yeah, it's any, what it feels any, like. any yeah. new places or what? Um, I mean, I had a nice run in, uh, in September. I did like Phoenix and then went right to Vegas. I did Austin, Texas for the first time, then went out to Plano and then came back. So I was like, have you been to every state? No, I think I have like half of them under my belt, maybe a little over oh, half, okay. something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some states that's like hard to go to. <laughs> yeah, if, especially like, if you since draw. like it really doesn't have comedy too. I well, yeah, they well, don't maybe have, every like, a, doesn't like North Dakota have a place. I think you could produce a show pretty much anywhere, right? But like it's an a enormous of, brewery or something like that. Yeah, it's whether or not North Dakota like routes with where you're going, you know, and like yeah, it's easier when there's something already set up if you're not somebody who can like sell tickets. How was Vegas, dude? Because the last time you were there, you how the uh, the buffet, right? Oh yeah, Is that true. Yeah, that's right. I did the buffet by myself last time <laughs> I was there. No, I've been to Vegas a few times since we last talked. Then um, it's been fun. I got in with a couple clubs out there. So oh, I nice. Go about do like a week of shows. It's one show a night. Um, recently, I've been doing Brad Garrett's comedy club out there, which is great. Um, it's in the MGM. They, they had a cyber attack, though. Did you hear about all that? MGM had, like, this crazy cyber attack. I think I heard about it briefly. Explain it. So, yeah, MGM. I don't know the full details of, like, what it was, but I think uh, in, in layman's terms, basically, it was, like, a ransom. So they were, like, holding all of their information and, like... Oh, yeah, like, credit cards and IDs. Yeah, that and just all their money and being like, hey, pay us this much, and then we'll let you, like, use your system. So, like, there was just sections of slot machines that were shut down. There was just, like, tables that you couldn't use. Um, and then, yeah, so, and, and MGM is like nine different resorts on the strip. The yeah. whole strip is only owned by like, it's like three companies. It's like Steve Wynn and then a couple other guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. And everything's getting bigger in Vegas. It seems like, I mean, they're adding sports teams that sphere. Have you been out there? The since sphere. The, the yeah. Sphere? Yeah. The sphere. I could see right, right out my window. I didn't go to a concert or anything there, but I've seen Dude, the videos. Am, it looks insane. I imagine that you could see the sphere from almost anywhere yeah. in Las Vegas. Yeah. Right? It's almost an eyesore. <laughs> like it looks so strange. Dude, like it's I was just, watching this golf video on YouTube and yeah. like, as the guys were teeing off, they had like a smiley face on the spear giving them like weird looks <laughs> during the tee off it's crazy man i mean your boy james dolan owner of the knicks is killing it even though some people have not so nice things to say about him oh yeah i think he's uh he's doing well yeah i think it's so. nice to see it's yeah i think anybody who can open up a sphere yeah, i mean people dude. are going to the to vegas now with that being the main attraction that they're going for i mean to make something in oh, vegas right, that, right, that right. is like the destination now is, is pretty rare do you know really what it is is it like a, a viewing center it's like it's the, a it's like a concert aquarium? it's like a concert hall have you seen any of the videos of, kind of, of yeah youtube but, like, but oh i haven't seen youtube but i've seen like the sky portrayed on the yeah so they'll just i mean ceiling. they'll do these like crazy hd things and and yeah it's just kind of this like super stadium seating so it just like rises up and then there's just a stage at the bottom so they're gonna do concerts out of there and speeches and probably laser molly shows has anyone done well i guess you two did a performance yeah i don't know if anybody else has i think they're doing like a bit of a residency it's there you know what it's good to see that they're still relevant bro do you remember those ipods yeah i mean yeah. the the red and black ones those are like yeah. the first ones with bono's signature like how is he so hooked it's crazy and then in the peace movement too and like africa he was a big part for a while i remember yeah. that yeah he was just always going over there singing songs and <laughs> yeah. never bringing extra food with yeah. him and either. it looks like he hasn't really aged he's doing pretty solid no i can't tell if he hasn't aged or if it's just like anybody who puts a a, a random tint on their glasses like that like looks true. a little younger you know it, he it reminds me of speaking of a big vegas guy of chris angel a little oh bit. yeah where the hell is he I, I he's probably still out there. Maybe he actually disappeared. You know, <laughs> fine. It's about time he did something like that. Uh, no, I think he, I, do, I do think he does. I do think he does shows in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a guy like that can probably do shows whenever, wherever he Bro. wants. He doesn't have to. Be yeah, like, he doesn't like be in Vegas every night, or I can't pay rent. Yeah, like he starts doing Zoom shows. Yeah, yeah, dude. So now. You're torn with Dane Cook a little bit. Yeah, I have been, man. It's been pretty wild. Really insane to hear. Yeah, dude. Um, you and I spoke about it briefly, but uh, just after reading the news, I know that he's been dealing with a lot of things just in terms of like 
uh, trying to get a lot of money back from his family. But uh, on the road, what kind of advice is he giving you when you, you're featuring for him, correct? Yeah, so I'm featuring for him. Um, I mean, he's just so open about everything i mean he's done everything in this business from the top level to the to the bottom so i mean uh his his just kind of how his brain works within comedy and i mean you see how his brain works on stage but how his business brain works is always super interesting to me because it's like that's kind of half the game you have to play now is that business side you can be the funniest person on earth but if you don't know how to sell yourself you're not going to be able to like make it to that next level so to watch kind of the guy that I mean, really was was at the forefront of making this ripple of like self-made, do it online, own everything, um, which is his mo- That's his biggest advice to me now is like own everything you do, you know, like whether it's your special, whether it's your podcast, whatever it is, like it has to belong to you uh, because he's I think he's still going through it with some of those Comedy Central specials and stuff like that. There were so many wire and back end deals of like. Uh, those contracts that he like if he posted his own stand-up to like his social media page he could be at risk of like a copyright strike which is crazy so it's like yeah because comedy central could take it down well it's not even that i think somebody bought those old specials from comedy central and i think it's an individual or a corporation or whatever that owns all of those like masters of the original comedy central albums Something like that. There's a bunch of weird like spying, selling. So to even get ownership from it, it's like like, impossible. It it seems like it's in music too. Like somebody had Taylor Swift's masters, like Scooter Braun bought it or whatever. And Cat Williams has been doing that, I think, for a little bit as well. Owning all of his own stuff. Which I, yeah, I just think that's important, man. I mean, especially in today's world, like uh, you don't really need anybody else other than yourself. Like, don't get me wrong, like building a team around you and using all these platforms that people have built is essential to like grow whatever you're doing. But at the end of the day, if you're not making something yourself, then what the fuck are we doing here? 10 years ago, people really didn't have the opportunity to do things themselves though. I mean, they did, they had the ability to make stuff themselves, not as easily because you didn't have HD cameras and sound and all the stuff that you can buy. Like just the ability to buy a set of lavalier mics now is so easy that it can be delivered to you tomorrow. Yeah. Where back then it was a multi-thousand dollar investment and you had to get all this other stuff and someone had to, knew how to use all the shit because you couldn't just look up a YouTube video on, on how to do it. So... Yeah, it's, it's way more accessible now. You can do whatever the fuck you want. We're in like the baby stages of, especially being in comedy, figuring out building personal brands. You know, Dane Cook did it at a time when really nobody else was doing it, Yeah, it seemed yeah. like. And it's uh, interesting to hear that he'll tell you that you got to own everything, man. Totally, man. It's, it's new for us hearing that. Well, I think so. I mean, and I think for a long time, I was even in the boat of like, I think as comics now, we kind of build our careers. A lot of us do kind of with one foot in each pool. You have one foot in like the, I hope the industry likes me and maybe they'll give me a special or SNL. And then the other foot's in like the, I'm going to make it myself. I don't need anybody else. So I think as long as you're always building that one and using the the platforms to complement whatever you're building i think you're in good shape but yeah i mean he was a guy that like too instead of like spending time going out at the bar drinking and hanging out with even other comics he was going back and going on myspace and fucking dm and everybody everybody and and being and making everybody excited and making people feel like they know a celebrity and i mean that shit goes a long way especially back then i think now it's it's still effective today but i think now there's just so many that that interaction's so normal um where i mean that was the first time that like if you wanted to reach a celebrity or someone you thought was famous back in the day, you had to like write them a letter, yeah, you fan mail, you yeah. know what I mean, and and you'd never hear back, you'd never know. And now to be able to have that one on one conversation with people is so yeah. accessible. Like yeah, he was taking advantage of that for sure. I remember when I was six years old, I sent a letter to Brian Leach and Adam Graves, who played yeah. on the New York Rangers yeah. at the time, hockey, and they wrote back like eight months later. It's pretty yeah. funny. Maybe they had somebody on their team do it. But yeah. I appreciated it, dude. No, that's great. I mean, they they really used to have to do that. They had like a person on their team that would yeah. like organize their fan mail. It's insane. That was a nice little time, though. Yeah, you know? I, th- I think uh, like we don't have that celebrity anymore. The people that were famous are obviously still in that category. But to bust into that like I'm a celebrity category now is like it feels like one person a decade does it. Like it's like Chris Pratt. Does it's it. you it's know what different I mean? like, too. You think about a guy like Ryan Reynolds. You don't think of him as like a an internet sensation, right? He's just like he's different. Yeah, totally. Like. That's that's what I mean. To cross over, like I don't know if if it's even possible to get Kevin Hart famous anymore as a, as a comic. I think we're kind of playing a different game now. I mean, well, maybe you can even have as many fans as Kevin has, 
but I just don't know if that mainline mainstream like media is powerful enough to create stars like that anymore. Because when it was growing, he got all of the love from the movies that he was doing, the Netflix special, and then also doing the stand up and then social media. It seems like it was a perfect storm. Yeah, he had that perfect storm of like the industry loved him. Like, like you say, he was getting all the movies and TV shows and stuff. But then also me and my buddies were quoting his jokes to each other at school. Like he was still hilarious and kind of hitting that pop culture mark um, at the same time as the industry recognizing that and giving them opportunities for it. Where I feel like sometimes there's a, a mismatch in, in that. You think people are being recruited more on social media now through sports and college? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I missed the boat on that. Cause I mean, I remember, I remember thinking back the day, like, dude, I want to put a GoPro on my fucking catcher's helmet. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Because dude, that, that probably that, was so out of literally left field. Right? Yeah. People you're were like, what the shit are you doing? Well that and you, I mean, yeah, people would give you shit and then no, no, no coach or umpire <laughs> would let you like, you can't just mount a camera on your helmet. Yeah, dude, the amount hazard, of dude, like, the amount of high school teams now I'll see on TikTok like mic'd up during practice. Yeah, I was great. like, fuck, I wish I could do I that. I would have loved to have been yeah, mic'd dude. up during practice, dude. I mean, it probably would have been terrible for my career because we said some pretty <laughs> horrific you shit in baseball. Behind you. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, no, I, I think that's like a powerful tool, but I wonder if you're going to kind of fall into the same issue where our, where we're not, I don't know if it's an issue, but where we're at in the entertainment world, where are people going to get recruited to the biggest schools, not necessarily by their skills, but by their ability oh to my excite Oh my God. People. Yeah. Like and are, by their are the, views potentially. Are the new D1 recruits like somebody who, yeah, sure. His, his 40 times, not as fast, but he's bringing a million eyes to our campus and to our that's, team. That's like that our, new team. Yeah. What's it? The Savannah bananas, the Savannah bananas. For those yeah. of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's basically, it's a fun baseball team, but what league are they in? They're they made in their the summer own league? league. No, they made their own league. So it's like not, Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. It, essentially, yeah. But I think the guy, uh, rather than it being the Harlem Globetrotters, the big the big difference is that they're actually playing. It's not like a rigged game where the generals are dumb and fubbling around and getting dunked <laughs> yeah. on. Like it's it's legitimate. Like usually Division One or X minor league athletes that are also doing like TikTok dances and like choreographed stuff. And so that's like, the only part that's kind of like the Globetrotters. They try. Yeah, that, I mean, they still, they do still have winners and losers. They have playoffs. Like it's this own league. So I think, I forget the name of the guy, but he went and bought this like minor league stadium and was like about to go, you know, underneath on it, trying to like run this independent league and then just said, fuck it and started making it fun and like wanted to make way, like he's a really good promoter and getting people excited to like come into the stadium. So he would just have these like little games and dances and it goes, viral on social media and then they just keep adding so then they change the rules so like if you walk somebody they can start running around all the bases <laughs> and everybody on the field has to touch the ball before they can stop running so you can get like a home run on a walk so it's like all these little things that they tweak to like make it really fun and exciting if this was around when you were playing baseball thinking about comedy would that have been something that you would have thought if about it was if it was out yeah like when i was when i had well it was tough because i stopped playing baseball because i got injured so it was like if i if i left baseball healthy and just never made it to that next step then i would like which which if i didn't get injured probably would have happened anyway if i'm if i'm looking at it realistically um yeah dude i definitely would have, have like reached out and been like hey i'd love to be a part because even now i think about like man that'd be cool to like go do a summer down there and just kind of fuck around and play some baseball and i uh, wonder do they get paid well I don't think they get paid well, but I imagine they get paid a, a living wage. You right. Know? They probably get paid more than their opponents. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even in the, like minor league contracts are like, I mean, bro. Yeah. We were talking about, yeah, we were talking it's about like, it's that. It's not, yeah. it's like, you can get crazy low numbers on that. Yeah. I watched this documentary or I guess short film. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Went, the I mini you, series documentary. What? I thought you went right to like YouTube short. Like <laughs> I was watching this documentary. It was a 60 second. It, video. it was YouTube short. It was yeah. Mr. Bees. Uh, I was talking about, um, R.A. Dickey. You remember him? Yeah. But they were while, talking, they were talking about his journey throughout the minors and yeah. how he was like molested as a kid. He wrote a book and then all of a sudden he won the Cy Young award right. at like 37 years old, which is the oldest knuckleballer ever to throw. Yeah. yeah. Um, throw knuckleball and then also win a Cy Young award like wow. that. But they were talking about how dramatic his career was because he really didn't start hitting his stride until he was like 34 years old, which is unheard of yeah, in baseball. Yeah, especially. In, I mean, baseball, I think, is probably one of the maybe golf, too, is one of the few sports that if your body is healthy, you can there. There's something you can do to like 
fit into a team somewhere and usually it's pitching um where like i mean a 37 year old's not walking on to the to the jets you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. it's not this isn't the fucking eagles whatever that mark Wahlberg movie like that's the one they make a oh, movie yeah. about what that was shit that movie? Happens, i remember you know? that what uh, was that what was maybe a more gnarly injury you saw from somebody on your baseball team that wasn't a pitcher you know because you feel like pitchers probably get injured the most yeah well there was i'll players. tell you one about a pitcher was I was it was my first scrimmage that we were doing when I was in college at Southern New Hampshire University uh, no this is actually at Westfield State so I did a couple years at Westfield State and then I transferred to Southern New Hampshire University I was close um so this was at Westfield State I did a where's uh, that uh in Westfield Mass like Western Massachusetts um it was a uh, first inter-squad scrimmage game, so we were playing between us, catching the guy, and a line drive went right back at the pitcher, and he turned away, hit him right in the back of his head, and he just went down. We all ran up around him, and he couldn't move. He was paralyzed. Like, he couldn't move anything from his shoulders Was he down. unconscious? He was conscious. He goes, Coach, I can't move. I can't move anything. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? He was freaking out. And I mean, it was such a shock to the system that, like, slowly he started to be able to, like, move his fingers and, like, got feeling back in his hands. How hard did, was he, that hit back at the pitcher? Uh, it over was 100, over right? Over 100 miles an hour. I mean, he, the guy was throwing probably close to 90, and then, yeah, oh. it just it came right back at the back of his head. Yeah. Is and he then, okay now? Or? He, I mean, he was out for the season, but, yeah, he was. He, he's fine. Yeah. Concussion? Concussion. And then I think he had... It like chipped one of the vertebrae on oh, his back or bro, something like that. Bro, thank like, God he yeah, just didn't die crazy. on the spot. That would have been it, a jam. It could have paralyzed him. Were you like, using metal bats or wood bats? Uh, that, f- at Westfield, it was metal. And then when I transferred to Southern New Hampshire, it was wood. What What's the trade over? Why in co- some colleges, I know that they were used to do metal bats and now they're doing wood. Some places, what's the... What's the trade-off? I mean, the trade-off of, like, using a metal bat is obviously they don't break. So it's a cost-effective thing. I mean, they're oh. more expensive. Like, you'll spend two, three, four, five hundred bucks on a bat, but, but they'll last multiple years. Um, and they've also, over the years, switched, like, certifications on bats as far as, like, the what they have to reach to be able to be eligible to be used. They have what's called a BB Core certification that a metal bat has to get, and that's what the standard is across like high school, college, stuff like that. But before that, and those are more like wooden bats than ever before. They have a bigger sweet spot. But the, before that, I forget what it was. I think it was like BCA or something like that, or BCAA standard was like when I was growing up, that was the metal bats. And those were like the ba-doing! And those things would jump off the bat. Kids were like dying in the league every year. It was, it was insane. Yeah. yeah. What was another the injury you saw though? Not from um, the pitcher. So I didn't, I didn't see this one live, but when I was, when I was doing the bullpen catching for the, Toronto Blue Jays, the the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. I would go in and train with their actual catcher. That's at the an time. insane name. Um, yeah, the Fisher Cats. Yeah, that's a real animal. You know that a Fisher Cat? Oh, it's not a play on words for the catfish. No, it's a Fisher. A Fisher Cat is a real animal. It's a predator. It's like a. <laughs> it's, it rapes. No, I'm <laughs> it's uh, it's a predator. Uh, no, it um it's am I? It's like an aggressive. I guess it's kind of, I don't know, like a honey badger, but a little bigger, but it's in the woods. We'll pop it up right here. What do you mean it's in the woods? It's like it lives in the woods. That's its habitat. So, but it, but it sounds like like a fisher cat, fisher cat. It's, oh, a, it's like a big rodent. It's like a big, like, okay. It's a not gr- a water animal. No, no, it's not like a, yeah, it's not a water animal. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's like a, it's like a cross between a cat and a bear almost. It's like a little piece of shit asshole okay but it sounds like like a baby or a woman like screaming at night that's what you hear you're like ah! Ah! the cat, and then someone goes out and helps it and then just yeah and then that's it. it yeah um yeah so that's the fish you were on that team yeah um but yeah i was on that team <laughs> uh, and uh i would go in and train with their catcher and the guy's name was brian geralman um i don't i think he's coaching or something in the league now but this guy he's one of the major reasons now that they don't have um collisions at home plate anymore in the major leagues well yeah we talked about last time we did how talk about one that. guy is just completely padded and then the other guy isn't so he got hit. that was the guy Go ahead. yeah yeah so i mean did i tell the story last time but no, yeah no, so no. either way Go he ahead. got he got crushed at, in triple a so and he's coaching the majors now i don't think he's coaching i i don't i'm not even sure but if he's still in the league he's probably coaching in the minors somewhere um but he was a guy that like got called up to the majors a couple times got called back down Nah, never kind of got timed up right. It was was super helpful to me in, in my career. And uh and yeah, man, I mean he was just it was like a bang bang plate to play. You can look up the video, it's fucking if you look up Brian Geralman uh collision at home plate, he he just turns and the guy just crushes him like shoulder to the side of his head and knocks him out, ruins his career. Uh and then that kind of started the chain link effect of stopping collisions at home play across the board in, in professional baseball for reference pop it up right here play is, he barrels over the catcher the ball got away 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He gets wrecked at home plate. Yeah. Was that, he couldn't play after that? He, it was, I think he was injured for like a full year after that. And then, but when he came back, it just, it was kind of too late. It was getting a little now older. Now wasn't. Now I think you, the, the catcher can't be in the path of the plate until you have possession of the ball. And then if the runner doesn't slide within a certain amount of that possession of the ball, then you're out or something like Even that. Even having possession of the ball, I think, changes the whole ball game. You know, oh, yeah. If totally. you're waiting for the ball for center field and you just have no idea you're about which to get clotheslined. Which I think, yeah, I think that was still the rule back in the day was that you had to have possession of the ball to block the plate. But if you, and that's why if you block the plate and you didn't, you could get run over. Right, right, right. Which I played okay. in the summer league, which you, which you could get run over in once. And it's just, it's not that fun. Like, it's like one of those things you think it's cool, and then you, you get hit once, and you're like, I don't need to get a concussion on a Sunday. <laughs> Have you been playing baseball at all recently? I know you're playing in some leagues. No, last I, time I play like one game a year for like a men's league up in New Hampshire. When it lines up, then I'm like there on a Sunday during the spring, and they happen to be playing at home, then I'll, I'll hop in and play. But it's been like, yeah, one game a year pretty much. Do you think playing baseball your whole life helped your stand-up comedy career? At all? Uh, I think so, yeah, man. I, I think that, like, any sport makes you learn how to suck at something and get better at it. Um, and I think that's all kind of stand-up is over and over again, whether it's, like, you, you look at the scope of your career, but then you also look at, like, the scope of the life of a joke, where it's going to start off sucking, or at least a version of sucking, and then get better and better and better as you improve it. So I think having the discipline and the ability to, like, analyze yourself and be honest with yourself is a huge skill that any sport I think really allows you to do but baseball for sure because there's just it's you're gonna fail most of the time in baseball like statistically you're gonna you're gonna strike out you're you're not gonna hit the ball more often than you don't hit the ball um you're gonna more guys are gonna get hits off of you than you're gonna strike out like that's just the way so if you can stomach that then you can kind of deal with rejection that comedy comes along with it at least helps that muscle is there something specific that really determines somebody spending their career in AAA to somebody spending half their career in AAA and then half in the MLB? What's the... I mean, the obvious answer is like talent, right? Like somebody who's just insanely talented. You look like a Bryce Harper or something like that is like drafted out of his first year of college and then just, or even out of high school and then... Just I, don't goes, think, I don't think he went to college, right? Yeah, I don't think he did. I think he was going to go to a junior college for a year. Maybe he did one year at junior college or something oh, yeah, like that. Something like I that, forget. Yeah. Um, but either way, he just went rocketed right through the minor leagues in like a year and went to the majors. And part of that is just the plan that the organization has for you where like when an organization drafts guys, they know that some of them are going to be like, these are guys that we want to go in the majors and they see how it plays out. Cause some of the guys you pick round one end up not being able to hang in the minors or whatever it is. They get into partying too much. They're not, they don't put in the work uh, and it all falls apart. So I, I think part of it is that I think some guys re are really talented and get distracted by the lifestyle of being a professional ball player, traveling the world, having women and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that some guys get lost in that. Uh, and I think part of it is like, yeah, it's it's especially sports at that level across any sport is is micro levels of difference between your your effort and your ability that that just translates f for like the entirety of your career. So um, the guys that work harder tend to get more opportunities that way. And I also think like you can get unlucky in an organization. Like if you were a shortstop coming up in the Yankees organization for like 20 years, you were praying to get traded. Cause if not Derek Jeter had that fucking job yeah. and you weren't going to take Derek Jeter's job. You know what <laughs> it, I mean? It's so different in baseball because if you think about the NFL draft, you think about maybe even now, now that so soccer is getting hot, the MLS draft. And then you think about football as well. All those people who are picked, I don't know if I, did I say football twice? or NBA Maybe. and then football. Yeah, NBA, yeah. football, MLS. If you're getting drafted in the first or second round, you generally have a good idea of trajectory. You're going to make it to the, you know, the final level, the yeah. league. But in baseball, you could pick somebody in the seventh round and then they decide to go to Vanderbilt or Duke. Yeah. What's the, what's the point of being drafted if people don't know what you're actually going to do. If you're going to go to college, if you're going to stick with the team. I think a lot of guys are waiting to see what they get. So if you're in a position where you're getting drafted out of high school and your brain is like, or, or your, even your parents or, or society, whatever, is giving you pressure to go to college because everyone says, oh, you, it's not a guaranteed thing. Just because you get drafted doesn't mean you're going to make the millions. You still need a backup plan, blah, 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 blah. And there's all those. so many freaking rounds in the MLB draft. There's too, so many right? rounds in the MLB. And again, like when you get drafted in the, in the NFL – 90% chance you're going to be dressing on Sunday, standing on the sideline of the, of the professional team. 
in baseball, that's not going to happen. You're going to drag through the minor leagues. You're going to go to another team in the minor leagues, and you're going to go to maybe go to the majors, probably another team in the minor leagues, and then go up. It's, but that's if you're not drafted in the first round, or basically no, no matter what, no matter what. I I don't think there's many, if any, cases of people getting drafted and being on the major league roster that same year. If they do, it's because multiple people got injured and then they got pulled up or something like that. It's it's there's a farm system that baseball has that most other sports don't. So more people get drafted, I think, in baseball than any other sport because you're fielding like, for example, fifteen pitchers on five different teams in your organization, if that makes sense. Where it so more people get drafted, so because of that reason, more people get cut. So more people get that kind of baseline. I think I'm going to make it opportunity, and then more people end up working at Dick Sporting Goods. It's kind of like college. Yeah, that, that farm system time. Yeah, I mean, college is a part of that farm system in a lot of ways, and some guys skip that. So that's like, if I'm if I'm throwing 95 miles an hour and I'm an 18 year old kid out of some college in or out of some high school in Florida or California or something like that, and I get drafted, and, and my, my they might have a plan like if I go in the first two rounds, I'm going to go to the big leagues. If it's anything under that, then I'm going to go play for Duke because maybe they've always dreamed of playing for their favorite right. college or some shit like that. You know? Yeah. Do you have any friends who made it to the league? I had a friend who who made it to the Mets. Um, he, he pitched with me in high school. This guy Kevin McGowan, um, super funny guy. He was he was always a fun hang. And uh, yeah, he I I think he ended up maybe playing a few games for the actual Mets, but he was in the, their farm system for a long time. What were some of the stories that he would tell you about minor league life if he ever? Spoke I mean, about I it honestly I haven't talked to him a ton. It's mostly just been keeping up on social media. You know, like kind of seeing each other's stories and and chatting through chat that way, but. I mean, it's hard to keep in touch when I'm on the road doing stand up and he's on the road playing yeah, baseball, man. you know? Like, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Maybe you guys goes. will meet up in, uh, I don't know, Vegas or yeah. Iowa one yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's the goal. Damn, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. So, going on tour with Dane Cook, is this uh, is this something that's going to continue throughout the rest of the year? How many more dates do you have? Uh, yeah, at least through the, the rest of the year. I, we've talked briefly about, you know, continuing into next year and, and kind of where that goes. I know he has guys, other guys he wants to give opportunities to and all that kind of stuff. But either way, it's uh, it's it's awesome, man. It's um, So, we have basically the next five weekends, something like that. It'll be like couple Thursday, Fridays, couple Friday, Saturdays. We're doing like Texas this coming weekend and Florida. And then we'll do like uh, some, a run up in Canada. And then it's like a Phoenix, Seattle, uh, Denver run. And then we'll finish at the on Thanksgiving weekend at the Wilbur uh, in Boston. Okay. So is that'll it, be fun. Is it usually around the 5,000 seat mark? It depends on the city. Like, I mean, we just did Delaware. I don't even know if they have a 5,000 seat theater in the <laughs> state. Was that at University of Delaware? No, it was at uh, uh, a casino. I forget the name of it. Um, Del Lago or Bally's or something. I think it was Bally's. Bally's Dover. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a lot of the, um, these. I mean, when you get these kind of big theaters in the middle of nowhere or, or in random states like that, that's where you're gonna they're gonna be attached to the casinos. But um, yeah, they're usually two thousand to five thousand seaters with a couple of bigger thrown in there. Maybe a couple smaller. Like I don't think the Wilbur's that big. I think the Wilbur's only about a thousand seats. But it's actually his first time playing the Wilbur, so that's exciting. Oh, wow. he skipped it on the way up, essentially, which is crazy. How, how much time are you doing on the shows? About 20 minutes or so, usually 18, 20, something like that. Usually me and one other guy. Sometimes it's just me. What's um, been the best moment of the touring? So uh, I mean, all of it's just insane. Like, I have to kind of, like, catch myself and, like, just be present for it because it is, like, you. It, the weirdest, like, it, it's super weird the first time you do it because it's just this kind of bigger-than-life thing. You're, you're doing these big stages. You're, you're seeing it. You're hanging out with a guy I grew up watching. It's weirder now to have it feel like it's getting normal. You know, like, I'm comfortable with it. I kind of know how it goes. I know what to expect. I, I know what to do on stage and stuff like that. Um, but I would say the best moment so far was the, the Mohican Sun Arena. It was, you know, like just shy of 8,000 people, I think. Or like, Where's that? Phoenix? Uh, in um, uh, Connecticut. Okay. And that was a club. I mean, the they have comics at Mohegan Sun as a comedy club up there. That was like one of the first clubs I did like on the New England road route. Um, to be able to like go back to the same place and, and play the arena and like have friends and family come out and, and see that was was cool because I, I the first run of shows I did were kind of all over the place so I was just kind of telling you know my parents about it my wife and stuff like that but they all got to got to come and see that and hang out for a bit so that was cool your family ever come visit you in New York not really I mean especially post-COVID I have a brother with like a lot of autoimmune issues so they they kind of 
New York's not exactly the best place to be if you're <laughs> seeking health. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess it depends uh, what kind of health you're seeking. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, I'll have friends and stuff like that come visit. But now, for the most part, it's a bunch of homebodies. How often are you going home? Family. Uh, usually when I just have shows. So, like, like, I'll be back up there for the week of Thanksgiving to do the shows at the Wilbur. And then I'll be there, like, the week after that. Because I'm actually, I'm headlining a theater in my hometown. They built this. Um, it, it was a shoe store my whole life, but right in Main Street, they tore it down. They built this like beautiful 800 seat theater. Oh right wow, let's Nashua, go! That's so. a freaking enormous shoe store. Yeah, no, was it, it was. Pay less. It was Ma- it was Alex Shoe Store. It was like a local brand that just like grew and grew, and they bought their own building, like a couple of exits up on the highway. And uh, oh wait, it was the guy who owned the shoe store made the comedy club. No, no, he like, owned the he, building. He bought his own like Alex Shoe Store like building elsewhere. That's like away. This was like on Main Street proper, so I think he was probably getting ripped off on rent at some point and or maybe he owned the building no maybe he did maybe he did that is possible um but either way that he he sold that you gotta building. own your own shit you as we said shit. circling exactly. back man yeah Damn, alex dude. knows dudes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally dude how's new york been for you i know you've been here for now like what two years and change yeah about two and a half years yeah yeah it's been good it's been good man i feel like i feel like this year i've barely fucking been here to be honest i've been on the road so much that it's like um it feels like i I'm never here, and if I am, it's for, like, you know, a week at a time, and then I'm out kind of thing, or a few days at a time. Um, but it's been good, man, just kind of getting in new clubs. always feel like I'm meeting new people and, and just doing spots. I mean, especially with, with doing the road this much, like, I, I'm kind of treating New York like the gym, you know? Like, this is the place to come and, and work on the craft and work on the act and then go showcase it and, and sell it on the road, essentially. Do you feel like you're missing anything in New York? Maybe having a kid, uh, life stuff? No, because I, it's not being in New York that's stopping that. It's health insurance, <laughs> uh, which New York isn't really hindering. I mean, I have, I have a good situation, like, rent-wise that, I mean, if I had a mortgage or, a, or even if I was paying rent in another state, it wouldn't be too dissimilar from what I'm paying now. Um, that, like, I think those things will kind of come when they come. And, and for me, it's like, it's not necessarily being in New York that's stopping that. It's just stability. Like, being able to find some level of, like, I think I'll always have a place in New York. I'd, I'd eventually love to have a house that's not in the state of New York. You know what I mean? That's, like, elsewhere that I can then use New York as a tool. That's kind of always been my plan is, like, be here, meet people, uh, and then be able to do the road from wherever I want and come and visit New York, you know, multiple, multiple times. So you're year. saying be somewhere six months out of the year. So you pay taxes there, like a Texas, Tennessee. Yeah, technically Florida. six months out of the year. Sure. Yeah, I'm there. I mean, I'm not anywhere six months out of the year now. <laughs> no, but I mean, like. you, but you said buying yeah. a house somewhere outside of New York. Is that in a Florida, Texas or yeah, what, one Nashville? Of the, one of those uh, tax yeah, friendly tax states. Free. Dude, yeah. uh, no sales tax in Denver. I mean, Denver, in Delaware. Do you in experience New Hampshire that? Either. New Hampshire, oh, either where, I, where I was growing up, growing up, yeah, no sales tax. Nice. So you get the bacon, egg, and cheese, and it's really four fifty. It's really The four. vegan well, bacon, egg, and cheese. No, because there actually is still a meal tax. So on pre- what? On prepare- so if you go to the grocery store and buy, like, eggs, there's no tax. But if you go and buy somebody that cooks you an egg, it's prepared food. That's meal tax. It's different. It's not sales. Is that tax. a new law? No, I think that's. Always I think been that's like been that. there, or Dude, maybe different. No it's probably one of those things. Different states is different. Yeah, and right. then they're flipping the screen to get you to tip. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Two fifty. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna ask you a couple questions. <laughs> Dude, I feel like that started in a story at coffee shops. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. I mean, you know I, what I mean, <laughs> now like Target, Starbucks is doing Everybody it. Like, why don't we just fucking turn the tablet Dude, around? I, I saw that they're doing it at self checkout sometimes. Would you like to tip? Like, bro, I just no, did the job. I did it. No, you what can you t- tip me. <laughs> tip me at one dollar. Yeah, exactly. I do feel it's awkward not just a though, dollar. sometimes. It's not the defaults like to twenty to twenty five. Usually, I'll go back and oh, do yeah. the dollar. Yeah, I do a whole bit on that stuff now, but yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I went and got a fucking ice cream, like for the family, we we're having some cookouts, so I was like, oh, I'll go to the ice cream place, like get ice cream for everybody, so I get like a, you know, a bunch of cones and some sundaes and shit, and they have the tablet thing, and I just click like 20% at first, and I was like, <laughs> $400? I was like, dude, I just tipped like $20 on fucking ice cream, I was like, what the fuck are we doing, like that, I, that can't be a button, that can't be a give me $20 button, that, that should be illegal, it's insane, and imagine sometimes, dude, you, you used to have to be a baller to drop a 20 in a chip jar that was like a million now it's standard now it's everybody's doing it or i'm an asshole (laughs) and they have the it goes 25 20 to 15 and you know usually it should go 15 20 25 yeah so then sometimes you'll quickly press the 25 and i'm like oh fuck no i meant to press i meant to do 17 you can't go back now yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it's too awkward man 
especially like if I'm on a date sometimes, a coffee date I'll usually do because, yeah. you know, keep the price down a little right, bit. But right. still, like, I'm not tipping. You just made the coffee. You yeah. should be tipping me. No, exactly. Also, I get a cold brew. You just poured it. It's not like you're fucking, yeah. I'm getting nine shots and of espresso a, and a home <laughs> If it's thing cold and, brew in uh, the city, too, you spend at least what? Freaking five or six dollars. Yeah, for nothing. Yeah, no, I make my own coffee at home now. I just, I just yeah. brew coffee, throw a pot of it in that. the, like, yeah, just brew, brew a couple pots of it, pour it into a carafe, throw the carafe in your fridge, and then you have iced coffee all, all week long. You drink it cold all I year drink round, it cold all year round, baby. Yeah, it's that New England blood in me. I like that. I think the, <laughs> I just, the thing that would stop me from switching to hot or. Or I would continue to do it cold if it was in my apartment, but sometimes it's just too damn cold out there to be cold. Yeah, cold, you know. Yeah, no, I get that. I I just like cold drinks. Like I just I just don't like any sort of hot drinks. I'll make an exception for a hot cocoa every once in a while, <laughs> or like a hot coffee on a plane. because yeah. you can't get it ice. But if I just like all my drinks cold, even like my alcohol, mm-hmm. like I, like I could drink my whiskey straight, but I yeah. prefer it cold. So I think I the only thing acceptable to drink that's hot. Is coffee or tea, right? Tea. Like, what else would you drink that's hot? Well, I mean, I get—I don't even like like I don't like like brothy soups, you know. Like, I don't like I don't really like any I don't like cum I don't like any hot liquids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think it took me a second to hear what yeah. you actually said. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's freaking crazy, man. The weather hasn't been so bad in New York though recently. I tell you that. Hopefully, it stays this way. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been here for like six days, and I leave. I go to Texas tomorrow or Thursday. How are you traveling for the most part? Are you taking like a, a big uh, tour bus if it's close? Uh, no, it'll show to show. We'll fly. And then if anything, like in Texas, I think we're doing like a few shows. So we'll fly into Dallas and then we'll rent like an Escalade or something like that and just drive around. And play. Yeah, I imagine great. people bug out when they see him like at the airport. Oh, dude, it's insane. I mean, the dude, there's people that wait there like to get autographs. Like we were coming into the airport at like 430 in the morning. And people are like, dang, 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 can you sign this? Like, I didn't know he's flying in, though. That's what I'm saying. Well, the, well he's, the he's nice to all his fans. Like, if someone comes up and wants to do a picture, he's he's very nice, gives them the time of day, has a little conversation with them. But those people, he's like, fuck those people. They're not real fans. They're coming to sell that shit. So they're coming to get that thing signed. That's why they're there at 4 in the morning and did the research. Because they're going to get some copy of Good Luck Chuck signed by Dane and then flip it for, like, uh, you know, whatever. I saw Drake did that one time when a fan, he noticed a fan that was like coming around to all the hotels at crazy times and yeah. he knew what he was doing. I guess you kind of get a, a sense for that once you've been around enough people who are actually genuine fans and people who are just trying to sell you. Yeah, shit. I think he said he, your face. he used to and then he saw the guy like he, he like saw it online the next day of like the guy selling it. And then that's when he learned the lesson of like, all right, those guys are not the fans like give the fans the Damn. time, not those people. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, because minor league baseball had the same thing. There'd be people that are waiting outside the stadium with just boxes of cards and bats and stuff like that to have these minor leaguers sign just in case one of them makes it. And then they have a, I got fucking, imagine if you had a Bryce Harper signed Dude. minor league fucking card, bat, and hat combo. You're selling that for thousands of dollars. How do you feel about Zach Hample? Zach Hample. The YouTuber who goes to all the games and like catches all the balls. Oh, I haven't seen it. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen it. Bro, this guy has caught like 15,000. MLB baseball. Wow. So he like buys tickets specifically. Like yeah, dude. And like his YouTube likely. videos, like he'll go during batting practice and he knows where all the homers are going to go wow. and he catches like four or five a game. No, it's shit. insane. You That's should look him up, Zach Hample. I think he's out. cool. He's a baseball nerd, but uh, some people get mad at him because he's like stealing the baseballs from kids. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he'll give away a lot. He'll give away a lot. That is you funny. Know? You leave him with five and there's some kid crying. You're like, yeah, yeah dude. Bob, this yeah. is content, you little shit. He, see, he seems like he's pretty giving on, on his channel, but I can imagine if you have 15,000 baseballs in your apartment. Yeah. You know, there had to have been some nasty story. There's not some of one. Them. It's not like they're all clean. No, yeah, there's exactly. one. There's a couple of dirty no balls in there. Yeah. Speaking of dirty balls, man, is steroids still a big thing in MLB? <laughs> um, I think they've cracked down on it a lot. I just think, and you must um, have known some guys who were uh, teammates with you that were. On I the mean, juice, my but maybe not openly. I my, my, one of my coaches back in the day. Um, this guy John was he pitched for the Cincinnati Reds back his his claim to fame is he gave up Barry Bonds like three two two hundred thirtieth home run or some shit like that. Um, um and he was say like two hundred. And he was saying he he never did steroids, but he would talk to guys that like almost his whole team was on steroids at the time. Like he felt like what year was that? This was must have late eighties. No, this must have been like ninety eight ish, something like that. Like nine between ninety five and ninety eight, something like that. Well, Barry Bonds, when did he hit seven fifty five though? 
That must have been like 2010. 2000, so you think it was like 12-ish later? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I can't remember it. Whatever, yeah, either way, um, this guy, uh, he said that like when, when these guys were on steroids, they would be like, it was, it's not just you were stronger or that you would recover faster. It's that like everything was heightened. Like he's like, you could see the fucking stitches on the ball as it's coming in. He just felt like everything was so tuned in and locked in because no when way. you're training your body to be locked in and to give something that amplifies everything that you're doing, like it was, it was insane. So it was like a truly performance enhancing drug across the board. Not just you'd hit the ball 450 instead of 420. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Maybe more so in baseball. That's why it was probably so rampant, and a lot of people were doing it. Yeah, it's the hardest Maybe sport so. in the world. I mean, wouldn't you want to make the hardest sport in the world a little easier? Even if you make it ten percent easier, that means you're hitting four hundred instead of three hundred. Right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's insane. Yeah, that's good in that's baseball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. I saw he got suspended for, well, I guess, half the season. He was one of the last guys I think that I saw. Um, I guess got in trouble for taking steroids. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are getting in trouble these days. Yeah, I think that baseball or even any other sport. I think a lot of it now is a lot of them are probably on some sort of Tom Brady esque like malt like optimize your health to the nth degree regiment if they're trying to be like a super athlete like that like if they're trying to be a world champion at whatever they're doing they have some personal trainer that's putting them on some crazy strict diet crazy regiment of routine like workouts all that stuff recovery uh for the season and then however they handle their, if they continue that through the off season that's when you start to get like freaks of nature you know um yeah, I'd imagine that because everybody's health is so regimented now that they're optimizing everything to the rules almost like they're fucking cars in a, in a race. Like, they're tweaking everything so the aerodynamics is perfect. Like, they're doing that to their health. Yeah, it's not Drew Good... What is it? What is it? Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry doing blow. No, the, no, it's not like house. let's chug a beer before batting practice. Yeah. Like, those days don't exist. I mean, and if they do, like... It, those guys, I don't think, last very long in the league. Sports were so simple back then. You know, even tennis. You look at guys like John McEnroe who said he didn't lift a weight his yeah. entire career. Well, they were fun, Wild. man. And, and I mean, like, that's kind of... I might have talked about this last time, but that's kind of what made me start to fall out of love with baseball. Because I loved baseball. Like, I would, I would wake up every day trying to play in some way. Play catch with my brothers or wiffle ball or something. Like, I was obsessed with it. Um, but when I started playing in college, it became less of, like, be an athlete and, like, feel it out and, like, you know be in the moment and react and, and improvise. And it became this like uh, statistical analysis instead of like me calling the pitches to try and be like, I'm going to call fastball inside, see how he reacts to it. All right, let's throw an off speed outside now. Now let's go back high and tight. Instead of doing that, the coaches had data from the last time we played that team and the last time that that guy faced this pitcher and all this stuff. So now I'm getting all the pitch calls from them. I'm not able to be like, well, the guy took two steps back if compared to the last pitch, that's why I want to throw an off speed outside. Something you can't see from the dugout. You know what I mean? Like it became this, like everything is measured in statistics. Like you better swing at this pitch or if you don't, you're in trouble because statistically you're more likely to hit this pitch. If you see it, than the next pitch he's going to throw like it, 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 and they break down the game at that level for everything from stealing bases to the pitches, to the, to how, who runs when to, to who's pitching against who and who's in what part of the lineup that it was just like, sucked the fun out of it entirely was Moneyball something that affected that i think so the, it was like it was a book and then a movie for those of you who yeah. don't know what we're talking about it was just a big statistics loaded well, it, manager it's, right it's a true story about uh billy bean who uh was a player who was told he was going to be the be next big thing uh never lived up to the reputation that he had ended up becoming a coach for the oakland days um and him and his team that he made basically used a shoestring budget to make a playoff contention team, which was unheard of at the time. He was kind of going against the grain and taking guys based on statistics rather than like the good old feel and, and love of the game. And it was working. And yeah, man, I think that definitely had a trickle down effect to everything. And, and I also just think that like having like baseball is such a statistic heavy game that like, it's always something that was looked at. Like they were always looking at like, ah, did this guy swing at a fastball the first pitch last time we saw him. Like they just happened to write the shit down now. It's not like the forties. They're like, I don't know. I was fucking drunk hey, last game. Going yard. Hey, he's fucking going yard. He stepped <laughs> up to the plate and old Mickey man. Oh, wow. <laughs> boy, how do sound. boy, how do these guys are going to be in a uh, running for it? Yeah. Those old white announcers, man. It's like, <laughs> why do you guys sound like that? 
Boy, all these white boys out there really are good at baseball. Oh, what do you think, Pip? Ah, well, he's doing a good job out he's there. He's doing Down a good job out there. Wow, he threw that ball 71 miles per hour. <laughs> you think uh, umpires are going to ever go by the side? Just because they're missing calls, man. And on TV, we can see when they miss calls because they got that damn square up there in the strike zone. Uh, first of all, I hate the square. Hate the square when Bro. we're watching baseball. I'm not was, a fan. When I, did I that wanna, come out? Uh, on like Fox, I remember 2000, probably eight or nine. They, they, started they would do it. Do it for the they replay. would do it for like replays and stuff. I, I think it didn't start doing it consistently on every pitch until like a couple years ago. If, and, and oh, dude, it's so stupid. But it's like, why now the, umpire, the umpires? Now? now umpires are getting like, like their stats looked at and stuff. So I mean, everything oh breaks God. down to statistics. You have like good and bad umpires, which you've always had. But also like for me, part of the game was learning that ump's zone, especially as a catcher. And my job was to have a, a like uh, some charisma so I could talk with that umpire and earn calls that maybe the other catcher wouldn't do. So like you see all these guys now like framing every pitch in like that, that you wouldn't do that back when I was playing because you would, the, the umpire's like, obviously that wasn't a strike. Why are you trying to make that look like a strike? You're making me look like an oh, asshole. Shit. So I would, I, I would just catch it, throw it back. And then when there's one that's a little closer, that's the one you stick because then it's like, okay, he didn't stick the one that we all knew was a ball. Maybe he thinks that one's a strike. Like that's all going through the umpire's head and all of that level of play gets eliminated when you go strictly to machines because now it doesn't matter how i play i may as well just be fucking laying back there it doesn't matter how good it looks doesn't matter um because it's just a robot telling you whether it's a ball or a strike so tennis switch to automatic umpires i believe about two years ago in all the grand slams yeah. but even just watching the u.s open a few months ago it was super interesting because they just have a voiceover just oh Oh, yeah. You know, and it's just yeah. the same voice each time. You still have yeah. the guy in um, the umpire's chair, but the other six or eight it's umpires that you'd have. Yeah, dude. Wow. It's all cameras. Wow. And I mean, tennis is really the first sport, it seems like, to fully do that. And that's because of the Serena Williams Jennifer Capriati match, where there was like three calls in the span of 15 points that yeah. Serena just got screwed with. But I wonder what's going to be the next sport to start using fully automated camera systems. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I, f I mean, I, football is the one that needs it the most because there's just so many calls. Hockey, you don't really need something like but that. But how would, how would football be affected? You mean like the offsides, the holdings? And well, I guess instead of reviewing every single time there's a scoring chance, it would just be automatically determined by and camera yeah, everybody, sensors. And yeah, AI everybody on the or, field can see the line, the yeah, first down line. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, too. I mean... Um, yeah, as far as like your question of do umpires ever go away in baseball, I, I don't want them to. I think it's an essential part of the sport as far as like the human factor. I don't think that I think the war is over. I think they're going to go. I think yeah, they're going to go. Because they're already speeding up baseball. They're, they want to speed up it baseball. Takes time I would to check with like the first base guy if you totally. swung. Well, that and I would rather I would rather them go 100% electronic on balls and strikes. And, and, and any call. I mean, baseball is one of the few sports where you could really automate the entire thing if you really wanted to. Um, there's no, like, holding that's, like, kind of up to review. Like, is that technically? Like, it's either – it's pretty black or white in baseball for almost everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I, f I forgot the point I was trying to make there. Um, you don't want to see umpires go, but you said – it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is going to happen. I just... Oh, that um, wasn't your point. They're trying to... Okay. No, no, no. They're I'm, I lost my point. No, you're, you're, you've pointed me in the right direction. Um, freaking automated umpires. Freaking game oh, oh, shortened. Is uh, shortening the game. I would rather see them go fully automated than like challenging balls and strikes. Because once we get to that point where they're like... That's so dumb. Because they, they were doing that in the Little League World Series, which is how they start. That's how like they tested out the... The test replay. on the guinea pigs. Well, that's, that's what they so did with the out. replay system in the first place was they did it in the Little League World Series Williams first, Polar. then it goes into the minor leagues, and then it goes into the big leagues kind of thing. Um, and they were doing that where they would be like, oh, we're going to challenge that ball strike, and they would go. And it was quick, but it was still I'd rather just then get rid of the guy. If we're going to challenge him uh, even four times a game to be like that was a ball, and then, okay, it was a ball, then fucking then he's then we don't need him. Um, but if we're just going to play baseball, then let's then let's just – play baseball and have reviews for outs and shit like that i don't see any of the red flags on the sidelines of football games anymore not as often yeah i mean is that because like if they think that it's a questionable call they'll just go up to the booth right for by. the most part i think that there's more automated challenges now especially because they do it on every scoring opportunity or every like time they think someone scored they review it um that that's mostly where those challenges would come in 
Um, but you still see them, yeah, a couple times a game kind of thing. But I think that's the point is they don't want you to have to chew. They want it to just be quick and, and automated and better. I went to a Mets game over the summer, and it was the first time I had been to game probably in like three or four years. And I noticed it was quicker. But even still, man, for being a baseball fan, it's a little long. I yeah, will say, you know, I going like, from four hours to three and a half, it's a little long. I agree. Well, here's my problem with the, the length of the game is when you watch it, it's fucking long. But when you're playing the game, and for me, like when I loved playing the game, I would have played 100 innings. I didn't want the game to end. So I see why the game is nine innings long. Uh, because the guys that, were, the guys that made too. the game wanted to keep playing the game. So yeah, it's like, we can't stop at six. We got to yeah. keep going. And when you're younger, that's what you do. You play six inning games when you're in Little League. Then when you're in high school, you play seven innings. And then when you're in college, you eventually play nine. And then the doubleheaders are seven. Um, which I think could be the solution to baseball. Playing seven? Is you play seven inning games. Um, even if you do double headers, you do something. I think you do seven inning games, and I think the playoffs are nine innings. I think all sports can be shortened slightly. And I don't want to say that, or I don't want to sound like I'm saying that because all of our attention spans are really becoming dust bites. It's just because these games are really taxing on the people who are playing them especially at a professional level yeah you know yeah. for people to play <laughs> for baseball players to be playing literally every other day and then maybe even more in the playoffs yeah. and then these tennis players some of these guys are on court for five hours and then they have to go back out 30 hours later and right. play five hours again right it's it's taxing totally you know? i mean Say i think baseball was just like it was like five out of every seven days that the big leaguers were playing dude it was it was insane i mean and now i don't think that the demand is there for baseball obviously baseball is still one of the biggest sports in the country but i the demand is nowhere near what it was when i was a kid growing up i agree um, man it's it, pretty sad to see some of these empty stadiums on totally. like saturday 4 p.m when i think part of that is because of that it's like it's accessibility like like People watch every single NFL game, whether it's their team or not. Some of these nobody's doing that for any other sport other than baseball. So baseball needs to kind of learn. The other thing I think baseball could do, uh, I thought about this recently, was like, I mean, I, I started getting more into like the the Premier League and, and and European soccer and kind of how their stuff works, especially with watching the uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Did you see any of that? Where like That's Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds and, and the yeah, other guys. Uh, uh, it's always sunny. Yeah, what's the fuck is his what name? What the fuck is his name? Rob uh, McElhenney. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, yeah, that made me, I was like, man, I wonder if baseball would benefit from a multi-league, instead of like take all these minor leaguers and, and structure it so that there is a clear path. Not only that, like the big leaguers are in the big leagues and that these are the farm systems, but what if your team can go to the big leagues? What if the Las Vegas minor league team gets so good that they can go to the big leagues? You know what I mean? That sounds bad for business, especially but, being the owner of a billion-dollar team. You know, It does, but but now you can own multiple teams or you can... But, but being relegated to another league is just more motivation. Like you see people get really passionate about their city and their teams because they're... They think like winning and losing means something over the season. Like you don't want your team to come in last place. Like right now, the Red Sox would benefit from coming in last place because you get better draft picks. Um, where instead of becoming in last place, now you get relegated to another league. And yeah, sure, you're you're big for your britches, and maybe you come up again next year. But I just think it adds a little bit more excitement. For people have, even would if you not like, want to lose. Even if you make it so like you have the it's still the majors and all the farm teams. You just take the big leagues and split it into thirds and you have three tiers of a b and c teams you know and you're a c team big league team and then you want to work your way up to the a leagues where you're playing against the phillies and the diamondbacks and i think like if there would be tv contracts that would offer that to those teams then then we'd start to move the money and yeah and when are sports there. gonna figure it out with the fucking t everything else with streaming is so seamless and it feels like if i want to watch every hockey game or every football game there's like nine different apps and half of them don't work and i gotta have youtube and hulu and then i gotta have this and that you, you can't just have like the nfl app that gets you everything it feels like even before the apps i remember you couldn't watch yankees baseball unless you were watching the yes network yeah and that's the same thing up in new england it's the nesson oh, yeah, yeah i remember yeah, yeah, that yeah. too you can only watch the red Sox, and then it depends where you were you had to have direct tv yeah probably to watch you it used, you used to be able to only watch the bruins on the versus network <laughs> which is like most states didn't even have it i think that they're so tied in with these networks that have been around for yeah what i don't know 80 years well i think a lot of them was i mean that's they're they're in bed together because yeah. sports is what made a lot of those networks billions of dollars and, and probably the only thing yeah, yeah like the michigan ohio state game on abc totally. yeah you know they can't really go to youtube tv unless no unless i don't even know <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because I mean I think that with the way the AR and all this stuff is going now too, that they'll probably be selling tickets like to see the game live at home. What do you mean AR? Uh, augmented reality. So like I think you'll be able to go sit in Yankee Stadium and watch the Red Sox play the Yankees in Fenway, but it'll look like they're playing on the field Bro. with projections. Have you seen the guy, the Yankees player, who like will stand in the back of the stadium? He's got his bandana on, and then every time there's a <laughs> there's a hit, he's like. <laughs> no, Dude, you know, no, you know what I'm talking no, about, no. bro. It's the I think they call him the the tenth man. Okay, on the field, okay, dude. He's okay. fresh, but that's a guy who'd definitely be in the augmented reality. And I I think I've seen this too, some like on TikTok a little bit. Like somebody's taking a shit in their bathroom and like a terrible looking bathroom, and then it's just like Bora Bora yeah, water. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and then yeah. like it glitches for a second. And you see like all this fungus growing on his. Uh, well, it'll be that. I mean, have you seen? Up. Did you see the uh, the Ray Ban? Uh, meta glasses announcement any of that stuff dude it's crazy i mean i i have a pair of ray-bans now that have cameras in them oh you really can, you can click a button and it can record 30 second or a minute long video it's really good quality Is that an sd card uh, it saves a certain amount i think to the cloud then you download it to your phone um, but it's, it's, I've never really had a problem with like storage on it. It's, What's and this the, is the first edition of it. They're called oh Ray-Ban stories and they just announced like the newer version of it where, I, th- I don't think on release, but eventually I'll be able to, I'll be able to like look at a flower and be like, Hey meta, what's oh that flower? God. And it's going to scan it, analyze it and be like, and it'll pop up on your screen. You'll have it built in like messenger. So I could like text you while looking right here in my glasses and be like, yeah, man, that's great. Hey, uh, text Ted that uh, I'll be there in five. You ever think that there's going to be privacy laws that come into play and Congress is like, all right, you can't record someone with your headset doing that. There's got to be some new I freaking mean, things in the Constitution that's uh, privacy related. I mean, I, I feel like we'd already have them. What are they? First, but, but, but for like filming people, there's rules in every city and state for like filming people on public or private property. Everybody's got a camera on them. What's the difference between if you're holding it like this or if you have it on your face? I, I think if anything, it'll be for the manufacturers. Like, you have to like, like this have is a red light. Like this is yeah. I mean, those have a little white light that comes up right, when right, it's right. when it's recording or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think I mean people can more discreetly keep film like this. You can just go like this, and I'm fucking filming the whole show. <laughs> you know? have a little pocket. Yeah, just fucking camera. Yeah, just, I'm filming right now. <laughs> you know, just yeah, dude, like just scratching your, <laughs> your shoulder over there. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking at myself in the fucking. Yeah, dude. Are you me? <laughs> yeah, you wish I was filming. Yeah, you look weird. Yeah, of course. So, I was. what uh, what's coming up that you're excited for, man? I know you got this tour with D Cook. I know you got your own dates, um, but anything that we haven't talked about that you're excited for? What, uh, planning to start a podcast. Um, uh, so, I guess just stay tuned for that. I'm planning to start one with my wife. So she, no way. Yeah, because she does all the gaming stuff. She is like uh, a, a following on YouTube. She blew up over the pandemic doing oh, wow. Animal Crossing and all that stuff. So, so she streams. Yeah, she streams. And then she makes videos every week and stuff like is that. Is that yeah. on Twitch or uh, you, YouTube? Is her YouTube. main platform? Yeah, yeah. Um, so her and I have talked about it for a while. So, but that's kind of our next step. Is Figuring out kind of this platform that we can share our audiences together. And in home studio or what? In home studio, yeah. That's the plan. Nice, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Have you had plans to do this forever? How did she get into gaming? Uh, I mean, she she's played games her whole life. Like her, even her grandparents and stuff like that, like played Nintendo with her when she was growing up. Oh, no way. Like so it's just like bred into her. Um, do you play games with her? Yeah, yeah. What yeah, games play play? I mean, I play I play a bunch of games myself, but uh, like I'll, I just I was just playing this fucking this like fruit game that's taking over YouTube fruit right ninja? now. It's not fruit ninja, but it's <laughs> it's like dropping fruits and then they combine and they fill the screen. It's it's some Japanese game. It's only on Switch, but dude, it's like addicting. It looks stupid, <laughs> but I'm playing it. No, and I'm like, like, I'm all gonna those games, games, right? Yeah, exactly, they look a little exactly. silly, but they're addictive. Like Angry Birds. Yeah, and shit. yeah, exactly. You ever play 2K or MLB The Show? Oh, yeah, yeah, all those yeah? games, dude. Yeah. My buddies just play FIFA and NHL. I would be like, are right, we get home from work and then play a couple games? And you ever yeah. play online? I uh, not. I mean, I play like I'll play like shooters and stuff online and like racing games online, but not as much of the sports game. I get my fucking ass kicked with a headset. Or oh yeah, I talk shit. Dude. Let's oh, go. Yeah, that's my favorite thing. I feel like that's where I got my chops doing like crowd work. Was like, oh yeah, shitting on kids in Call of Duty lobbies when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Do you need to be eighteen in order to hear shit talking from you? Like, how do they oh, deal I'm, with that? I mean, I'm not. 
But if you were to. Well, because for me, I was like, I, I'm, I'm talking shit to children. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah, give, that's I don't a- give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what their age is. I'm not asking for consent. I don't give a shit. Yeah, they shouldn't be playing. Yeah, then. if you don't, don't want to hear me Get tell out of you the kitchen. why you're wrong or why you're <laughs> you stupid, why you're wrong. then, uh, yeah, what are you playing with me for? And I, I'm usually playful. I'm not, I, don't come, like, I don't care if we win or lose. Uh, I do care if you're an asshole about it, though, and I'll, and I'll bury you if you try and be a dick. So that's kind of my motto. <laughs> so starting the podcast, man, continue starting touring. Starting the podcast, touring. Um, yeah, man, and then just kind of uh, cranking out more content. Um, I'm recording. I recorded a set with DTF Comedy, which is they're doing similar stuff to what Don't Tell are doing. Um, I'm doing a Don't Tell set next year, and uh, yeah, just kind of crank out the content, let people know. I know you were working on a 30-minute special the last time we had spoken. Uh, yeah, I'm working on that, I, but I think I'm really, I'm more focused on just distribution, and I think the best way to distribute stuff now is through places that are making their own distribution networks like a Don't Tell. So I don't mind, rather than putting out a 30-minute special or doing both, like recording the 30-minute album to, to have on Sirius um, and then also kind of using a don't tell to, or, or things like that with reels and shorts to promote it. What about putting it on Drew Dunn YouTube though? Uh, yeah, no, I'll do that too. Well, that's a good thing when you do those recordings is you get, you get all that stuff. Like they post it, but then it's all collaborated with you. And then also you get all that stuff, like copies of it yourself. So you can do whatever you want with it. They don't own anything. It's really changing since we initially were talking about it with the comedy central, you see, what man, you see like 20 people a year. We're getting that 30 minutes and now it seems like anybody could just put it up and then let the audience decide. Yeah. I, I do still think you need, you need to be able to reach like a critical threshold of people in order for it to take off. I do think, you think that comes from the social media. I think it comes from the social media. I think it helps when you have like, like that is the benefit of putting out something with a comedy central or a don't tell or something like that is they have that initial audience that if you make something great, uh, and you reach that initial audience, it can spread with word of mouth. I think if you make something great and it doesn't reach that initial number of people, let's just say it's a hundred thousand, um, then it doesn't have the opportunity to, to spread organically. Uh, and vice versa. I think if something has the ability to spread organically, but it's not great, then it won't, it'll be kind of on par with what everybody else is doing on that network. You um, still think that social media apps are putting creators into a specific kind of niche or is that changing? Um, I think when you're making content, you're kind of finding your niche as you do it the same way you're finding your voice on stage as you're doing stand up. I think you're figuring out who you're making content for, which really should be yourself, but who enjoys your content. Um, the more you make it, I, I think that the biggest thing with these, with these social media networks is like, you need to reveal yourself to the world in the way that you want to be seen to like uh, in a more permanent sense. So like if you are the person who goes viral for roller skating in a tutu, you got to do that. You better be ready to be that guy. Cause if you try and show you, show those people your stand up clips after you went viral being the rollerblading tutu guy, they're not going like to care. You know, that's so different though from, you know, we talk about like 10 years ago, people being in a movie or you see Adam Sandler playing that silly role. Yeah. He can go and star and click the next year. And then, okay, now he's the soft spoken actor and we like him for this but we right. also like him for the tutu wearing where right. it's like if you put up that tutu wearing in rollerblades yeah. on ig that's what ig is gonna expect from you but the but how adam sandler revealed himself to the public was as a stand-up comic or and really as a comedic actor so when you are a comedic actor when you when you which is hard to reveal you yourself to the world as it's hard to earn public recognition as a stand up it's hard to earn public recognition as a comedic actor it's really easy to earn it as the tutu fucking rollerblade guy who makes pizzas or whatever the fuck you know what i mean so the long That's road is the long term success like the long road is become famous or or known as a stand up comic or as a comedic actor or whatever it is that you want to be known as and then all of those opportunities will come with it. If you're if you're known for being a, a comic, people will listen to your podcast. People will go see your movie. People will watch your sketches. They'll watch the cartoons you make. Whatever it is, they they'll give you a time of day because they know your funny baseline and that's the stuff you you're make. Known as Drew Dunn, who does this and this and this. If and you're that. the guy who makes fucking sketches and now you're trying to stand up, it is much more of an uphill battle than the other way around. At least as far as like the audience giving a fuck. Well, we're seeing that now too with people who maybe have a large following on TikTok and then they try and get into the stand-up game and then they're thrown in the pit with 
people who have been doing stand-up for 10 or 15 years yeah. and they're expected to do just as well. As and them. some of them rise to the occasion. Some of them actually are really funny and talented enough that when they're put under that pressure situation, they they thrive. And then other people, yeah, they suffer and they fall apart. It's the baby stages of that, man. Yeah, you I think know? so. But I also think that no matter what and whoever gets opportunities and this person goes viral and that and whatever, like uh, the cream rises to the top. Be ready um, for if it. you're great and if you're if you're what you're making is quality and you're marketing yourself and you're doing all the quote quote right things for your career um and you're and you're great i do think that and you see it i mean people people that come out of nowhere just because they were doing the work uh and and they bust through it, it really just takes a moment or two uh to, to have the public look your way and then be funny and interesting enough to kind of hold that attention because i mean that's that's the hardest thing to do in the world is especially now is to a, make people give a fuck, and B, make them continue to give a fuck about what you're doing. It's easier now to reach people that, uh, than ever. You can reach strangers with your content now more than ever. Uh, but how do you make them tune in next week? How do you make them uh, buy a t-shirt? How do you make them drive three hours to see the show that's as close as you're going to get in a few years? Like, how do you how do you do that? Uh, and how do you do that for five years from now, ten years from now? Very few guys have been able to figure that out, uh, especially quality in the, of the content. quality for sure. Um, and and I think just being open, being personal with your with your audience um, is essential. I mean, I mean, one of the few guys that's really uh, Kevin Hart, obviously in a different world, but he's one of those guys that's maintained that Hollywood fame longer than probably any comedic actor in history. I would argue, as far as he's maintained being the guy. Uh, for for uh so such an insanely long time compared to any other comedic actor probably because he hasn't od'd on coke or anything like a lot of comedic actors do uh but still it's it's interesting to see that like and there's lessons to be learned i guess from guys like that as far as what are they doing right and how can i apply what he's doing on this massive scale to what i'm doing on my scale in order to make people excited and what's and something you see with that, kevin hart though that excitement um i mean with Kevin, I, I think he's just like, he's just ever present. It's almost annoying, like how present he is. Like he's just everywhere all the time. And, and, but it's not annoying to most people. It's not like he's in truly everything. Like he'll disappear for, for a year almost. We're like, it's Kevin Harsley. And then he'll be on some talk show and then he'll come disappear. Then he'll come out with a special. And then he's just kind of always maintained. I couldn't tell you a joke from his last three specials, but he's still like the number one comedic actor and, and probably grossing comedian of this era. So, um, I think that like when you, when the biggest thing, it seems like a strike when the iron's hot, you know, like build something great and market it until everybody knows about it. And then step back into the shadow sometimes, let them miss it. Yeah. And, come back, and then come back out. Yeah. 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 Right. True. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. This was a freaking great episode. Hope this you guys great, enjoyed man. it. We freaking enjoyed it. Yeah. Talking shop, talking baseball, talking everything. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace.